0: Good morning and happy Monday. I'm Greg and welcome to the daily Bible wrap up. It is Monday, July 24th, 2023. Good way to start the week. I'm glad you're with me. Our readings today are from Psalm 89, 1 through 8, Romans 8, 18 through 39, and Hosea 10 through 11, 11. So in Psalm 89, I'm going to read verse 7 here. The highest angelic powers stand in awe of god he is far more awesome than all who surround his throne angels are an interesting part of creation they may seem more powerful compared to us in ways so like the ability to suddenly come and go as described in the bible uh different in appearance and being able to directly deliver the message of God, almost like having God's ear, for example, just directly. These things, but they are really just a part of God's creation like us, and and nothing compares to God. Any attempt to do so would just end up being idolatry. Quote, where is anyone as mighty as you, O oh Lord? You are entirely faithful. And that's, I believe, to end the readings there. Angels. I don't know if I've ever experienced one or not. Pro- I think I've experienced the effects, but... don't know if I've actually seen one. Because they can look just like people, right? Romans 8, we're in 18. We start in verse 18, rather, here in New Testament. Uh, Paul had just said, remember from yesterday, that in order to share in Christ's glory, we must share his suffering. But now he emphasizes that those aren't equal. So he explains that our suffering now is nothing compared to the glory that will be revealed later. And all of creation eagerly eagerly awaits the day when, quote, God will reveal who his children really are, end quote. I want to be on that list. It's interesting here how Paul continues to refer to creation or the creation, almost as if it's a life entity of itself. As if we and the trees and the birds and so on, everything are elements of one giant life system. But as, quote, the creation looks forward to the day when it will join God's children in glorious freedom from death and decay. He then goes on to emphasize this, so do us, so to believers, quote, for we long for our bodies to be released from sin and suffering. Now, I find it interesting that Paul said that in those exact words there. Because he's obviously endured a lot of suffering. He's been in prison many times. He's been beaten. Um, He's been a subject of mobs. And in this book, in Romans, he's detailed his struggle against sin. So this line, quote again, for we long for our bodies to be released from sin and suffering really speaks as being very personal to Paul, in my opinion. He notes that we will be given new bodies as promised. I didn't look up and I can't recall exactly where that promise is biblically. But until then, the Holy Spirit helps us in our weaknesses, he says. He gives an example of not knowing what to pray for. You ever have that? It's like, I want to pray, but I'm not really sure what to pray for. But that's when the Holy Spirit intervenes. The Holy Spirit prays for us, quote, pleads for us believers in harmony with God's own will. And I like that word harmony. It, it implies that we are meant to be a part of God. We are a part of God. We, we should accept that. It's our natural state individually we want to rebel but our natural state our preferred state is to be part i almost want to say part of the collective that sounds too star trek borgy but you know part of the body of christ is a way that we refer to it sometimes i may be a little bit off on some of my interpretations here but this is again one of the reasons just to take a step back why i like taking notes is that this is my interpretation of the readings as of today, how I feel this particular morning. And I could go back to last year, the exact same reading and have a different interpretation. Something else might've spoken to me or it might have the same. So at one point in time, I'm probably going to go through the notes and compare. What did I say the year before? And what really from there maybe enhance my understanding Um the Holy Spirit prays for us, quote, pleads for us believers in harmony with God's own will. That's what I just said. The Spirit here seems to be act like a glue that binds us to God's will, which is this is good stuff. Verse 31 says, if God is with us, who can ever be against us? Now, even when we are faced with suffering and perhaps because of such as believers, God still loves us and quote overwhelming victory is ours through Christ who loves who loved us interesting tense there and I kind of almost stumbled over it Christ who loved us you would think that it should be Christ who loves us but in Paul's and this is not in my notes that's why I'm hesitating here in Paul's Context of writing this, while he is very much aware and has emphasized that Jesus is alive, here he could be referring to when he was physically present on earth and walking among us. Hence the past tense of love, because God does love us. Nothing can separate us from God's love, Paul says. Nothing. So that love is current old Testament. We are in Hosea 10 and the text tells us quote, the richer the people get, the more pagan altars they build. I do believe that while many think huge wealth, like winning a lottery, be a really good thing, but I, I, I don't agree. And I think the point is that it could be rather it could be an, it could be a curse, distracting us from God's will for our lives and His instructions so that we can obey. I mean, think about it, money is a proxy for acquiring material items. That's pretty much what money is. It's a, It's an in-between to what used to be a barter system. You would give me something, I would give you something in return. And then money developed as a technology, it is a technology, to to bridge that. And then it became very easier to do that exchange of goods and services by having this proxy in between. But it's all about material goods, possessions, things in this world. And the more that you have of that, it would make sense that the more you have opportunity to be distracted and when you're distracted, even when it's doing things, then you are distracted from walking by the spirit, which of course, as we've talked about before, helps to keep you away from temptation of the material world. So there's a, in in that sense, I think ever since I was a teenager, I, I have, I have wanted to, Be in a position to have enough to live a full life, a healthy life. Certainly, want to work hard so that I can take care of myself, my family, and all of that. But I never really longed for anything. Um, I've never bought a new vehicle, for example. I have no desire to have a new car or a new truck. Um, and I think part of it is that maybe I never realized it back then, but that that was a blessing for me in that, in that I never really, it never really took hold that acquiring material goods is, is where my success is, how it should be measured. Cause that's idolatry, isn't it? I mean, it would seem to be. And it, cause it would take me away from God. Now, I'm not saying that acquiring riches is bad. It's how you deal with it. You just have to be very intentional about it. And it's a huge temptation. And unfortunately, sometimes, it seems more often than not, people fall to that temptation. Anyway, I got off on a long tangent there. I'll come back here. The chapter goes on to emphasize how the Lord will break down the sacred pillars and altars. Anything that we hold as idols will be destroyed when God deems punishment is necessary to get us back on the path of obedience, which is really what God's punishment is for. God is not all like lovey-dovey loving, but he is all loving. And that includes discipline and correction. We've talked about that before many times. That's a common theme. So we should not try to even approach that line as to what the line is as far as that, where does God draw the line? It's like, okay, you have gone too far. Now you've got punishment. I mean, where does a parent draw that, draw that line? Is it better as a child that you not even try to approach that line? Don't push it. The the par- child-parent analogy is so powerful for me to understand better how god works in the whole grand scheme of things works with us and the more that i adopt the position of being a child of god a child then i'm much more open to the obedience it's like i'm it's it's like a seven-year-old and their their mother and father it's like The mother and father are doing things for the seven-year-old. Seven-year-old doesn't understand, probably doesn't agree with sometimes, wants to do their own thing. But you can see in retrospect on the other side of adulthood that it was necessary and good for 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 the child. That's the analogy that I always like to have in my head with regards to God. And when you hear about God's punishment, it's not a bad thing. It's a very good thing. We're only seeing one part of it right now. I'm going off on tangents again. Got to get back on track here. Um, Hosea speaks of uh, unfaithfulness. We we being those who call ourselves believers, I think, um, that we're going to endure the same fate. This is the analogy, I think, with all that Hosea is talking about. Not that it was at the time an analogy, but we can draw from that. And in that sense, I guess we have a greater responsibility to all. I mean, if we're aware of, of the concept of a line and all of that, as opposed to someone who is ignorant and unaware, don't we have some more responsibility to do something with that knowledge and that awareness? Anyway, a lot of words that seem to contribute to predict, continue rather to predict the same in Hosea. Um, 10 Hosea uh, 11 1 through 11 now we go into now God refers to Israel as his child which is what we were just talking about the analogy of of a child and uses the illustration on how he raised his child but the child rebelled against God as it got older the child quote doesn't know or even care that it is uh, and it is was I who took care of him sorry my bad handwriting and then verse 5, quote, but since my people refuse to return to me, they will return to Egypt and will be for, forced to serve Assyria. So here it sounds a little bit more like physical return to slavery in addition to the spiritual one that we talked about a couple of days ago. God, like an anguished parent, is torn. He must discipline his child, but the love for his child has not abated. He yearns for their repentance when, quote, I will bring them home again. And with that, we will bring home this episode. Hope you have a wonderful day and we'll walk by the spirit today. Take care.